Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I am your host, John Chapman, and man, I gotta let you know, Mondays and Tuesdays are much better coming off of a win. (laughs) Whether you're a player, a coach, or a fan, it does not matter. It just seems to help the week go by. And thankfully for the 49ers, hey, we are 1-0. We get the victory against the Tampa Bay Bucks. And man, we did the live episode on YouTube right after the game. And I I love it. I really appreciate everybody saying all the kind words and wanting more live shows. So here we go. (laughs) Another live show. If you are listening to this, just a traditional podcast way, wherever you listen, we are everywhere. That is awesome. But if you have not head over to YouTube yet, I think I'm going to try to do this as much as possible. It does take a lot more time, but I love the interaction with the chat and open questions. So I just want to say thanks to all the people for reaching out. If you guys want something, I want to give it to you. So uh, please do not hold back and please uh, just let me know what you want. This is you guys' podcast and that's the way that I want it to go. So what we're going to do today, we're going to be breaking down the entire offensive side of the game. Uh, Snap counts, targets, broken tackles, pressures allowed, sacks allowed, quarterback hits allowed, breakdown of the Jimmy G and how he did, wide receivers all over the place. So this is going to be a very, very in-depth offensive breakdown. I'm sure we'll veer off topics some and talk about defense and even some upcoming stuff for the week. But I really, really want to make this a offensive-heavy episode to where we're making sure we're covering this. Now, the next episode that we're going to have is going to be all defensive side. So if you have those defensive questions, get them out there. That's fine. We'll see what we can get to. But the majority of the things that we're going to be talking about today 
are going to be on the offensive side. So, and speaking of offense, you know, I, I forgot to mention this, but we have a free autographed George Kittle jersey that we are giving away on Twitter, and it is the easiest thing in the world if you want to make sure <laughs> you want to win a free jersey. It's George Kittle. It comes with authenticity guaranteed, and all you have to do is very easy. You're already doing two of them. One, follow me on Twitter, at JL underscore Chapman, and then if you look at my pinned tweet, uh, and this is a gift from Game Day Sports Memorabilia, any memorabilia needs you have, head over there. They've been a long partner with us, and we really appreciate them. So head over to my Twitter. It's my pinned tweet. If you click on my profile, retweet that. Follow those two YouTube pages on there. You know, I haven't really made it known, but if you're fantasy football, I do own a fantasy football website, Eat Sleep Fantasy, and I'm over there a lot. Follow those two channels, and then that's it. You're in. Hoping to give that away within the week, so retweet that and follow those. But let's jump straight into this game, and again, we are focusing on the offense. So if we look at the offensive starters that were out there, Okay, and if again, if you guys have questions up, I, I just want to say go ahead and tag me so I can see them. I appreciate you guys being here on YouTube. Just put at John Chapman, then your question. It kind of pops out just a little bit more so I can see it a little better. But let's jump in here. So starting outside, if we looked at our wide receivers, it was shocking snap one. Uh, Devo Samuel was out there. I think a lot of people, whenever you took him, he was the second wide receiver drafted, or sorry, third wide receiver drafted in the NFL draft. Uh, there's no doubt that we were expecting Debo to be a starter early on in the season, but we sure as hell, at least I didn't think that he'd be starting game one. He didn't start one preseason game. So to thrust him in the lineup right off the bat is very, very interesting. So him and Marquise Goodwin were the two wide receivers. And even, you know, if you want to double down on that, Debo Samuel had the most snaps of any wide receiver. He got 59 out of a possible 67 snaps, whereas Marquise Goodwin got 49 snaps. And we'll get to the backups here in a little bit. Uh, the offensive line going from left to right, Exact same we've seen for over a year now. Staley, Tomlinson, Richburg, Pearson, um, Person, sorry, McGlinchey. Those were the guys with George Kittle up there. And then also Kyle Juszczyk and Tevin Coleman with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Um, you know, Jimmy G took every single snap at uh, the position. Mike McGlinchey took all of his snaps. So did Weston Richburg. A couple other guys got a play or two off, but those were our starters. Now, Here's the deal. Um, yeah, just got asked by Chris. Hey, John, I was wondering if you see the tape on wide receivers. Were they running open? Yeah, it doesn't matter. The All-22 is out over on Game Pass, which is awesome. I've gone through it once already. I haven't cut any clips off of it yet. Usually I just want like a kind of a raw feel. But, yeah... It, it doesn't matter anytime you ever watch a football game. There's going to be wide receivers that are open, and you're going to miss them. It doesn't matter the game at any level, whether it's high school, college, if the pros. There were a couple people that were missed. Most of the wide receivers that were missed were open over the middle of the field. It's... You know, we'll get into the deep passing issues of Jimmy Garoppolo, which it seems like he's either hot or cold. He did hit that one great pass, uh, probably the best offensive play of the game, uh, down the left sideline to Richie James, which was just perfect. It was executed to perfection. But there were a few other plays where you saw a wide receiver streaking down the middle of the field, splitting that cover two zone uh, with a deep middle linebacker. But the window was there, and it was missed, you know. 
I will say this, it's you have to go back and forth between the end zone view and the all 22. All 22 is where you can see all 22 players of the field. That's why they call that or the wide angle because you can't see what the quarterback is reading in all 22. You have to kind of splice that together with the end zone and see where Jimmy's reads are because even though there's four to five guys running a route on every play, there's not five read progressions on every play. That's just not the way that it is. So it's it's kind of one of those things where it's, you know, hey, yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is bad. You got to make adjustments and fit that in. But Jimmy Garoppolo, this is what makes him special. You know, if you want to say, like, what is it that makes Jimmy Garoppolo a quarterback? And if you're on the anti-Jimmy, that's one thing. But it's his decision-making and getting rid of the ball quick. Uh, if you want to look at the negatives or things that he needs to work on, possibly, it's going to definitely be deep ball accuracy so that's one thing to pay attention to now um, Elijah asks thoughts on running back depth are we going in-house or outside trade slash free agency I'll tell you this there's not a coach that is more loyal to players that have played for him in the past uh, like Kyle Shanahan there's nobody else in the NFL so having said that I do believe that we will stay in-house it doesn't mean we couldn't make a move but Jeff Wilson Jr. I know some there's a mixed bag on him Uh, some 49ers fans absolutely love him (laughs) and some cannot stand him and so I am somewhat in the middle there I think that he is a serviceable serviceable back and I love that he runs hard I think he maximizes his talent I don't think he's a talent rich back but I don't think you have to be in the system he just got to stop fumbling the damn ball so that's not what you want with your three guys so I do think Jeff Wilson will be called up and we will add somebody to the practice squad but I with the amount of money and resources we have invested in two guys that are not playing for us currently, in Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon, and the salary cap issues next year already, I don't want to pay any more money to that position. I really, really don't. I would much rather bring in youth that knows the system and you don't have to worry about too much there. Now, I, what I want to do real quick, and I tweeted this out, and it brought a whole bunch of upsetness. Uh, these are the pro football focus top five and bottom five grades of the offense, and we're going to break down each one of these, but I just want to throw these out there. Number one by a landslide, George Kittle. He came in with a 93.1. Again, this is just the offense, but... Kittle could have had almost a perfect score. Two touchdowns called back by penalties. One of them was an actual penalty. Uh, the other one was not. He definitely should have had one. Mike Person, who played absolutely like an animal, probably his best game ever as a pro, came in with 83.6. It's funny because, you know, I've been saying he is kind of the weak point of this offensive line for a while now, but if we can get him to elevate his game to this level, then holy freaking cow, that is great news for the 49ers offense whenever the weakest player of your five-man unit plays the best that's wonderful Um, next up Tevin Coleman you know he didn't get a lot of snaps 18 total but he did make a couple missed tackles and which again unlike him but the high ankle sprain which has come out that is kind of the big news there he's going to be out high ankle sprain four to six weeks that's usually um, best case scenario is what we saw with Nick Bosa where he was out about three weeks that's best case um so, and again, he was on a snap count himself. As a running back, it's even more valuable. At a skill position, it's even more valuable. And you got to say this. 
we're playing against a team that has more injuries than we do. A.J. Green and Joe Mixon both have this high ankle sprain issue. Uh, neither one of them will be playing this week. So, you know, you're talking the two absolute stars, the two best, most talented players against the opponent. doesn't mean we're going to win necessarily because of that, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of the fan base and every fan base in the NFL wants to go with this narrative of, man, our team is always hit with injuries. Well, that's football. It, it, everybody is hit with injuries. It just doesn't matter the level. You know, when you're hitting each other that much, it is. There is no doubt that the Bengals, um, they got a lot of injuries to a lot more star players. Joe Staley, uh, 69.5, came in at fourth. And Raheem Mostert, 66.9. Um, I will say this, and it's quite interesting. Mostert uh, struggled in pass protection, which he's usually pretty good at. But um, overall, he finished as the number five player. I'll get into the bottom five in a second, but I want to answer a couple more questions. Man, I love this. If you guys got questions, please, at John Chapman on there so that I can see it. Question from the Housen. I'm sure I said that wrong. Does Jalen Hurd, Trent Taylor, Tevin Coleman have a chance of playing before the bye? Uh, The answer is yes. Jalen Hurd is the biggest mystery. It's a back issue. With back issues, there is no damn timetable. It's literally when you can get the muscle to relax. Once it relaxes, then it can heal. Um, But until it relaxes, you really can't do much because with the back issue, you can't run, you can't jump, you can't lift, you can't do anything. So the longer that issue is there, the longer you're out of football shape. So that's the biggest question mark. Trent Taylor, I think we're still two weeks out. Um, We haven't gotten a lot of updates there. And Tevin Coleman, as I said earlier, that's going to be four to six. So if I was betting, I do believe Trent Taylor will be playing week three at the earliest, week four. That's the bye week. We'll see what happens. So I'd say a coin flip there. Jalen Hurd, we really don't know. Kyle Shanahan, the only thing we know about is he said it's much more of a week-to-week and not a day-to-day thing. So he's got to practice first. So that's one thing to see. Um, from casual vi- viewer, I love that name. Uh, do you see the 49ers trading for a guard in the middle of the season? I don't believe guard is the biggest issue as of now. The biggest issue as of now is Western Richburg, so which will take us into the next issue. Uh, the bottom five players, according to Pro Football Focus on the offensive side, Roz Dwelly uh, dead last with a 37.1. And the reason why his grade was so bad is mainly because he just could not run block. Uh, his pass blocking grade was average, but he just couldn't run block. And then Western Richburg, uh, 44.0. We brought him in here because he is the ideal fit, the prototypical size, movement, speed for this zone blocking situation where he can reach those uh, kind of defensive tackles that are in three techniques and whatever, and he can just elongate the field and get to the second level. He hasn't been able to do that absolutely abysmal since he showed up. Now, is he healthy? He's still not really healthy. Um, So how much do you want to put that on them? I don't know. He did have a big penalty that wiped out a big play. But Richburg's my big concern. You know, the guard positions, that's fine. You know, Lakin Tomlinson gets owned by Ndamukongsu. We saw it twice last year. Uh, We saw it again. Sure enough, he's got to play against that guy three times within a span of, I think, 14 games. And he's 0 for 3 against, (laughs) against them. But who can block Sue in the NFL? I don't think a lot of people can. Um, I do really like Lakin Tomlinson. But, yeah, guard position's rough. You know, I feel better about it now after uh, Mike Person had the best game 
of you know probably his entire professional career, so that's great. Kyle Juszczyk, goodness, came in as the fourth worst, 46.1. Uh, he did have one penalty. Oop, I skipped over number three, Marquise Goodwin. Yeah, he. there were a couple targets that went towards him that just didn't go well. Um, he did play a lot of snaps, just nothing really special. And then the fifth worst player, and this is where a lot of heat came, is Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think there's anybody out there that thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is just a good quarterback. You either think he's the best or you think he is the absolute worst. And, you know, we're going to jump in and kind of break down exactly what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo's thing. So let's just put that on hold for a second. We're going to finish there. We'll get there. But I do want to talk about some snap counts that I thought were key um, outside of just, you know, the traditional starters and whatever else. Because Matt Breida eventually gets more snaps at the running back position. He is now the RB1 as long as, um, you know, Tevin Coleman's out. And I think that he should be. I, I, I've i been very open that Matt Breida is the best running back that we have on this team, even whenever Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman are healthy. I just think that he offers something that other people don't. Uh, Raheem Mostert got 20 snaps. So, again, you can kind of see that split. And it's going to follow that formula. 29 to 20. 60 percent to 40 percent Kyle Shanahan is notorious for doing this everywhere he has ever coached he loves having more than one running back and he wants to sprinkle in a third so if we do bring in Jeff Wilson or somebody else whether that's Jay Ajayi or whoever the big name out there is they will get some snaps if you are active on this roster you're going to get some snaps so now, the wide receiver position is just weird as hell right now because usually we run three wide receiver sets um, considerably. We did not this game. We did very small amounts of time. Kidrick Bourne got 17 snaps. And then Dante Pettis, probably the news of the day, only two snaps. That is problematic to say the least. And I will, you know, I, you could say what you say. I eat crow. I was wrong. I don't mind saying all those things. I really believed and reiterated throughout the entire offseason that Dante Pettis was going to continue to be the number one wide receiver for this football team. And I was wrong. Now, when asked about this, Kyle Shanahan said, hey, Here's the deal. Uh, he didn't practice all week. His groin issue, that's going to be problematic. He didn't. He wasn't even the punt returner. But then why two snaps? <laughs> that's, it's confusing me. If he's injured, don't put him out there. If he's not injured, then put him out there a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe this is a message. Week two is going to be the most prominent telling thing because I'm telling you this right now. If Dante Pettis sees limited snaps again, uh, the writing is on the wall. Not that he would be cut or anything like that, but he will just be a reserve from that point forward. If he comes out, not necessarily, even if he's not starting, it's still okay. But you got to see that snap count increase and pass people like Kendrick Bourne or um, even the other wide receiver of the slot, uh, Richie James Jr., who got 26 snaps. So you've got to see that a little bit more. Question right here. Uh, we can all agree, Rich is a free agency bust so far most likely too early to say but I predict that our first pick will be interior line yeah if if you're putting stock on position value right now for the draft I'm a huge draft guy as most of you guys know um, offensive tackle is huge 
There is zero depth in the NFL, and that's a premier position. Safety, a little bit of a concern. We do have a lot of youth there. We do have, you know, we got to wait and see. It's too early to decide if Moore is going to be a player. Cornerback with Sherman, I you know, I think he's got two more years. That's an issue. But interior offensive line, that is going to be gigantic. If I see us picking towards the end of the first round, which I do. I have us finishing nine and seven, my projection before the year. I want to stick with that. You know, you're, you're talking picking somewhere in the twenties. Uh, and so that is the ideal spot for a top interior offensive lineman to get to. And I've already started my draft breakdown uh, for 2020. So I'll be concurrent with that and all those things. Uh, let's trade for AJ green after we win. I love that EJ. I'm a huge AJ green fan. He's a really cool guy. Uh, I've been able to meet and talk with him a few times. Uh, absolute legit human being and an absolute freak player on the field. So I, I would be 100% down with that. So what we're going to do now, we're going to jump over to the offensive line, and I want to focus on a lot of things here. Namely, uh, there's not a lot really to talk about as far as just snap counts. We had our main guys in there. Now, a couple other players were able to get some snaps, but not too much, right? So George Kittle, he spent 33 snaps blocking. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to get into a lot of the other guys. 22 snaps blocking for Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, Roz Dwelly got nine. Toy Lolo got nine. All these different things. Now backups, which is interesting because Ben Garland got three. Justin School got two. And they just getting them in there to make sure <laughs> everything kind of works and, you know, it's just kind of where it is. Now, penalty-wise, on the offensive side, and again, this figures huge into pro football-focused scoring, which if you hate it, I don't care. The thing that is special about pro football focus is that they watch every single play and it's checked by three different people, so it's accurate. If you disagree with the numbers and the scoring system, that's fine, but the things that you can't disagree with is the way in which they grade each other out with just their solid statistics. So penalties, Mike McGlinchey. You know, I said in the reaction show that I didn't think that he had a great game. And they did not attribute the sack to him where the blitz went across his face. This is another problem of pro football focus because we don't know the passing protection scheme. Was it the running back's job that was supposed to pick up the free blitzer? Was it the guard that was supposed to block out instead of in? Was it McClinchy who was supposed to block in instead of out? There's so much there that you just don't know because you don't know the protection call uh, that Jimmy Garoppolo audibled into. So this this is a huge question mark there. So McGlinchey gets two penalties. Debo Samuel got one. Richie James got one. Richburg got one. And Juszczyk got one. So not to mention, this is one of the worst officiated games you know, in, in a very long time. It was bad on both sides. Way worse for us than it was them. But we were able to come out and win. You know, I went back and looked through my notes. We were the most penalized team in 13 out of 16 games last year. Well, we're 1-0 so far this year. We love penalties. A part of that is having a young team. Another part of that is our run scheme is on the edge, and so we're moving to the side. So players are a little bit more in space, so that creates holding calls a little bit more likely as well. So both things to look over and you know again this question right here elite teams don't get penalties good teams get a few penalties bad teams get a lot i wonder if it's just a phase but the offense will need to fix this 100 percent 
you want to get back into coaching this Kyle Shanahan team and some of the issues that have been raised, there's been a lot of issues since day one that have never been corrected since he has been here. I love Kyle Shanahan. I'm very glad that he is our coach, but that doesn't mean that we have to kiss his ass all the time. I believe an honest, truth-telling, what's going on with the team is important. You look at red zone efficiency. Super problematic. You look at third down efficiency. Super problematic. You look at penalties. That's a huge issue. It's a constant thing, especially on the offense. You have to put that on the coach. I I truly do believe blame goes up and success goes down. Whenever bad things happen, that falls on the top. And when good things happen, that's going to fall on your assistant coaches and your players. I just, I really do believe in that. And that's if you have that mentality, usually good things happen. Now. As far as pressures allowed from our offensive line and all the uh, every person that blocks, really, um, our quarterback did pretty great. <laughs> he got sacked once, and that was it. So the fact that you know our quarterback only got touched one time, no quarterback hits outside of the sack, is wonderful. Now total pressures, he was only pressured five times in the whole game, which is wonderful. Raheem Mostert was attributed with two of those, again one of those and a sack. So he he gave up two pressures, a hurry and a sack. The sack that he gave up, again I've watched this play several times. There's both of those guys should be held accountable with Mike McGlinchey and Raheem Mostert, but whatever. Take that for what you want. Western Richburg allowed two hurries, and uh, Roz Dwelly gave up a hurry as well. So hey, not too bad. You would be happy with that every game of the year to give up one sack, no quarterback hits outside of that, and only five total pressures. That is absolutely wonderful. Now, if we look at just kind of, again, going back to – you know who started and all that stuff that means that all the other players did not give up any type of quarterback hit whatsoever namely Joe Staley, Lakin Tomlinson and Mike Pearson. Now, uh, Lakin Tomlinson got destroyed. I don't I don't want <laughs> I don't want to harp on this anymore in the run game. He just got completely just annihilated a few different times by um Indomikinsu, but th- that that's kind of what it is. Now, if we look at Jimmy Garoppolo's statistics, Okay, and and I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into this. So here's the issue. Uh, Number one, he dropped back 28 times. He was sacked once. Finished with 18 completions on 27 attempts. That's not bad. A 66% completion percentage. You're very, very happy with that. What you're not happy with is the depth of target that took place the entire game. How much of this do you put on Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan? Because we had protection. It wasn't like there were people in the face of Jimmy Garoppolo. We just talked about how few times he got hit. But only 166 yards on 18 completions or 27 attempts. That's 6.1 yards per attempt. Kyle Shanahan has been notorious for leading the NFL in this category, which usually you want to be above 9. Anything above 9 is good. We're at 6.1. And it sounds like, well, it's only 3 yards. Well, that's 3 yards per attempt. Right, so if you multiply three times, you know your thirty attempts or so that you're going to do in your game. That's the length of a football. That's another ninety yards. That is the difference, and it's a small difference, but it's measured by what you are passing. It was really weird. One of the things I could not understand is we did not do any play action passing in the first half. 
Uh, we couldn't establish our run game, but that doesn't mean you don't try play action passes. I would be willing to argue, uh, I don't have the statistics on this, but that first half was the fewest play action pass attempts in Kyle Shanahan's entire coaching career. Um, one thing that we just got it, I don't know, we did much more of in the second half and it worked really, really well. He did have the one touchdown pass to Richie James, and then he also had the interception which was just a horrible whatever he had two dropped passes which is rough but overall he finished with an 80.2 nfl passer rating and seven first downs passing which not the best on 18 pass attempts again that's attributed to that 6.1 yards per attempt so it's not awful but it's not great either and so if we look at the passing direction You know, one of my favorite things that Pro Football Focus does is they take the entire field and they divide it up into a grid between left, in between the numbers, right, and they break them down in sections, passes behind the line of scrimmage, 10 yards, 20 yards, 20 plus yards. So if we just look at passes that are over 10 yards deep, not necessarily traveling to the sidelines, just past 10 yards the line of scrimmage, Jimmy Garoppolo was one for seven. That is abysmal past 10 yards now he's done really well in the 10 to 20 yard range for his career this was kind of an anomaly hopefully how much of this is just coming back from you know the ACL injury and being injured and all those things but this is an issue and something that he's going to have to improve on because you can dink and dunk all you want but at the end of the day you're going to have to push the field now the one touchdown pass that was hit to Richie James did travel 20 plus yards Uh, that was the only one that he connected on um so it's something to look forward to and just see if he can improve in that area we haven't seen it a lot yet um but it is what it is now another breakdown that they do is when he had pressure or when he had no pressure so when he had no pressure he was definitely much better but his interception took place during that time as well so he finished with absolutely no pressure he goes 16 for 23 117 yards um, and he did have one dropped pass so his NFL rating was 63% because of that pick six that's going to destroy under pressure um, he only had five pressured passes one of those was a sack he goes two for four he does throw his touchdown pass 49 yards passing and 134 NFL passer rating so The fact that he was able to do that under pressure is just gigantic. Now, before I continue, I do want to take a second out and just want to say thank you to our sponsor, MyBookie. Absolutely love these guys. And if you bet with us last week, congratulations, you won. Um, You got paid out on that one. Now, this week is going to be fun because we are traveling to Cincinnati and we are currently one and a half point underdogs. Okay. The spread is at 45 points. So they lowered it a little bit thanks to that 49ers defense that just balled out. Um, but if you want to bet, head over to mybookie.ag. Uh, use the promo code 49ers. Again, that's mybookie, M Y B O O K I E dot A G. Use the promo code 49ers, 49ERS, and they're going to double your deposit. They have everything in the world that you could bet on. If you head over there and just click on props, you can bet on all kinds of things. They show uh, last five meetings. You can bet on players. You can bet on who's going to score the first touchdown, who's how many field goals, you name it. You can bet on it. Now, the 49ers Rush podcast will be doing a complete break breakdown of the Bengals game so hold off if you want to on that once we find out some more injury news and things like that but 
my bookie is the place to bet because here's the deal. You go there, you bet, you win, you get paid. And it seems pretty simple. It's a very easy site to get in and out of. So I strongly recommend heading over there. My bookie use promo code 49ersRush. Now, uh, speaking of Rush, let's move on now and let's talk briefly just about the running back. So, you know, we had a lot of different guys getting carries with Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, and Matt Breida. And there wasn't really a whole lot to dive into. There weren't a lot of dynamic plays. So Tevin Coleman, before he went down, he only had six carries. He received 23 yards on that. But here's the thing. He did have a 10-plus yard run, which is huge, and 17 yards after contact, which for him, that is wonderful. He did force one missed tackle. But Tevin Coleman's thing, and I've said this lots of times, he's not the type of guy that's going to make you miss in a phone booth. He's the guy that's straight line speed. He can run through slight arm tackles, but he's not going to spin and bounce off anybody. So for him to break a tackle and to get a 10-plus yard run and 17 yards after contact, that's fine. Uh, obviously, we wish we, he was healthier. But Matt Breida comes in, 15 attempts for 37 yards. He just had a rough go getting started early. Um, he averaged 2.5 yards per carry, which is way below what he wants. But he did get three first downs, two 10-plus yard runs, and 37 yards after contact with one missed tackle. But the running back of the game, man, Raheem Mostert, good Lord. Nine attempts for 40 yards, so 4.4 yards per carry. Two first downs, one 10-plus yard run. He broke four tackles. Four tackles, 38 yards after contact, only nine runs. Absolutely great game for him coming up in spot duty whenever you know you, you want to look at it. He was just going to be a special teamer, and he goes out there and just absolutely balled out. Now, I missed a couple questions here. Sorry about that. I, I was a little bit on a roll there. But um, let's see here, right? Uh, we have a question here. So far, the receivers haven't reached our expectations. Do you still believe we have tried to engineer a trade for Odell despite the Giants' ridiculous asking price, or is it too early? Um, you know, the Giants wanted from us number two in DeForest Buckner for Odell and one of their picks as well, like a second back or something like that. And hell no, I would not trade Nick Bosa straight up for Odell Beckham. I just don't believe in that, um, especially at the wide receiver position. It's not as high a position of value. Do I want Odell Beckham? Hell yeah. Every team in the NFL wants Odell Beckham. He is absolutely incredible. But um, the one thing I will say about this front office is they're actually trying to make trades, but they want a bargain trade. We saw this with Khalil Mack. We saw this with Odell Beckham. Uh, we saw this with Le'Veon Bell. We want these players, but we're not going to go beyond and mortgage the future. You look at the Texans, that is a front office I do not want. The The, the Texans are a full-on tilt program with Bill O'Brien, right? Uh, oh, we've got to get this. We've got to get this. We've got to get this. So let's sell it all. They sell off Jadavian Clowney for peanuts. They trade two firsts for a left tackle that we have two tackles better than Laramie Tunsil, I believe that. If you watched the Monday Night Football game last night, Deshaun Watson still got the crap beat out of him. Uh, Cameron Jordan got two huge quarterback hits against this Laramie Tunsil guy that they traded two first-round picks for. So do we need to upgrade the receiver position? I don't think so with the youth that we have now. I don't think bringing in somebody else uh, is going to be beneficial this year. I think that's something you want to do long-term. But we have a lot of jacks. <laughs> we don't have a lot of aces. 
So if Dante Pettis could step up and play a role at all, if Trent Taylor can come back and play to the level that he was during training camp before he got hurt, if Jalen Hurd can be that huge end zone threat that we saw in the very first preseason game, I think that we are fine as long as we have Kittle. Now, if Kittle goes down, holy shit, season's going to be rough anyway because that guy is our entire offense and the MVP of our entire team right now. So it's something to watch, you know, we're going to go through and talk about these wide receivers here in a second, but it's something that we it needs improvement, but everybody's young. You know what I mean? Uh, George Kittle, he's in his third year. Richie James, uh, what's he, two years in. Dante Pettis, two years in. Kendrick Bourne, two years in. Debo Samuel, rookie. Marquise Goodwin, who's our vet, I think he's, what, 27, 28? Uh, so we're super young. Trent Taylor, three years in. Jalen Hurd, rookie. Super young. And the big jump for the wide receiver position that takes place all across the NFL is usually that third season. So it's something that we want to watch, but don't panic. Don't panic because we do have Kyle Shanahan. He can generate all these things. And if you if it makes you feel better, here's the deal. We have a wide receiver that got 10 targets. He got 80% of his targets. And another two touchdowns that were called back, that's George Kittle. So if it makes you feel better to think of George Kittle as our wide receiver one, do that. Because he is that for us and more. He is absolutely crazy and just super talented. And the thing is, like he generates it all on his own. He had 47 yards after contact. That is bananas from a tight end position. He led the entire NFL in yards after catch last year, and he looks like he is well on his way to doing that again. So it's interesting to watch. Next question real quick. You notice Jimmy doesn't take a lot of shots deep. Is it due to Kyle knowing Jimmy's lack of a deep ball? Jimmy Garoppolo throws a very pretty pass and a great deep ball. I don't know why we haven't had more success in that position with the speed we have. A big reason why we drafted Debo Samuel where we did is because of what he did in the Senior Bowl. So uh, he is a deep ball specialist, and I think that we do want to jump into that. But we'll just have to kind of see what's going on. So um, it's a Kyle Shanahan issue. He did it a lot with Julio Jones when he had him. He did it with Andre Johnson when he had him. So it's capable. He's He can do it. It's just, I don't know, we just haven't seen it. So be patient. I know we have been patient. We're in year three, but I haven't seen it to my liking either. Uh, But there's been glimpses. (laughs) I don't know why we don't do it more consistently. Anyway, now what I want to focus on real quick is just the amount of passing targets and uh, catches. Again, George Kittle, he's premium. You know, he goes eight for ten. Caught eight of those 10 targets for 54 yards, had two touchdowns called back, four first downs, and broke one tackle. Now, if we look at other guys, Richie James, he only got targeted twice despite having a lot of snaps. He caught one of those for a 39-yard touchdown. And just, you know, he was able to capitalize on that huge issue. Dante Pettis, one target, one reception, and only two snaps. So maybe that's a confidence builder moving forward. You know, the sunny side, John Chapman, which doesn't come out too often. Yeah. I'm just I, I can't give up on the film. <laughs> Something's going on between that cat's ears. I don't know what it is. I, I really wish we could see behind the curtain. But when you watch his film, nobody can guard that dude. It's it's a mentality thing. It's just there's something there. I, I don't know what it is. He it, something's got to happen. Anyway, 
Raheem Mostert caught his one target uh, for three yards. Nothing really special there. Kendrick Bourne, you know, he goes out there as three targets, catches one of them. Two of them go off of his hands. You know, they he didn't get attributed with drops. They were very difficult passes, but it's like, damn, he's the tallest guy out there yet we still can't get the ball down to him. It seems very problematic. Debo, he had an off-and-on game. You know, catches all three of his targets, 100% catch rate. That's amazing. For 17 yards, that's problematic. Now, he got one first down, but that huge fumble was gigantic. And so he had the fumble, he had the penalty, but he did break a tackle. There's a lot there. It's just like a snake that's coiled up ready to go. Be patient with Debo, especially if he's getting these snaps, man. He, If you had to bet right now who the number one wide receiver for the 49ers is outside of George Kittle, you got to say Debo Samuel. You have to. Now, Marquise Goodwin, one catch on three targets for seven yards. He did have one catch called back on a penalty, but uh, he did have a drop as well. So that's going to be him. And Matt Breida, he uh, one target, zero catches. So that's kind of where we're at. That's where we're going to be. So if anybody's got some more questions, get them in quick because we're about to call this episode. Man, this is fun. I really do enjoy the live audience. I do enjoy you guys being with me on here. It makes it a lot more fun and decent turnout, which is a lot of fun. Um, but <laughs> anyone notice that John looks like he could be the brother of Brent Jones? I love it. Usually I get uh, Syndrome from The Incredibles, the cartoon, or Phil Mickelson. But uh, I'll take that. Uh, that's a lot of fun. But, yeah, I cannot wait for Jalen Hurd to come back either. I appreciate that. But if you guys have not subscribed um, on the YouTube channel, I'm going to try to keep doing more and more of these shows. Uh, just want to be able to have more interaction with you guys. Really appreciate it. And I will be back soon in the next day or two with another episode breaking down uh, the defense. So it's going to be an all-defensive episode. i got a lot more film to break down. And so there we go. A real quick question. Jalen Hurd's back injury is a mystery. When do you think he will return? Nobody knows that. Uh, the back is such a weird thing. Talked about it earlier. It's Man, it's a coin flip because it's got to relax before it can heal. And if you're having back issues, you can't push it because it's just going to agitate it even more. So it's a tricky, tricky thing. And, man, there's you set timetables for injuries. You know, ACLs, probably the most accurate to predict. And look what happened to Jarek McKinnon. That's a nine-month injury. He should have been fine. Seems like he's going to be out even longer. So best of luck to Jalen Hurd. we got to get that guy back because he is Special, special, special. Um, just not sure how long that's going to be. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. Go win that George Kittle jersey. Head over to at JL underscore Chapman. Retweet. It's on my pinned tweet. Retweet that. Follow those channels, and we will catch you guys next time. Stay strong, faithful. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. 
I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.